You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Chelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. So I'm going to start with a story about a party. As many of you know, I grew up in a Mexican-American household where around the winter holidays, we make tamales. They're basically a corn mixture with fillings inside. It's typically meat or veggies, but sometimes they're sweet, and they're all wrapped up in a corn husk. Many other Latin American uh, cultures and people make different versions, so you may have had something similar. But my family likes to invite people over, and, they, and we invite them to join to learn about our culture and participate in this tradition with us. They're very labor-intensive, and so when we make them, it's an all-day event. Normally, me and my dad would start the night before with some prep work and then wake up at 6 a.m. to start the day, and the last batch of tamales may not be done until 1 or 2 a.m. So if you've never made them before, I'm going to give you a quick rundown because it's going to be really important to know just the level of work that is required for them. You have to first soak the corn husks in water for at least two hours so they don't break when you're trying to make your tamales. And then you have to make all the fillings. So you have to cook the meat, cut the veggies, prep the cheese, all that stuff. Then you have to mix the corn masa, which is like a corn flour and water. Uh, Kids really love this part because it's like playing with Play-Doh. And then you have to spread the corn masa on the corn husks. Put in all the fillings, wrap it up, and tie it. Once there's enough, you steam them for about two hours. So one batch of tamales could take upwards of five hours altogether. And when you're making them, you're often in various stages of different batches throughout the day. So it's a really big, involved process, which is why we throw a party. And then we ask other people to help us. You're just going to get more tamales that way. Now, before y'all accept your invitation to this year's party, I need you to know that we have two non-negotiable rules. The first rule is that if you don't help make tamales, you don't help eat tamales. I gave you the brief explanation about how to make tamales, but again, it's a lot of work. Everyone must help if anyone wants to eat. But it's also just really fun to do it together. And just like the church has many parts to make up the body, so does tamale making. Don't worry, not everyone has to do everything. In fact, one year my brother was helping put the masa on the corn husks, but he wasn't doing a very good job. So I assigned him a new task. Not everyone has to help assemble the tamales or get their hands messy with the masa because we need people to wash dishes and cut up the veggies too. Everyone invited is helping and everyone's talents are needed. The second rule though is the most important and it comes from my abuela Andrea. You cannot ever, for any reason, under any circumstance, let the tamales get lonely. This rule is strictly enforced. Every second the tamales are in the steamer, someone must be in the kitchen with them. The reason my abuela Andrea gave for this is because if the tamales are left alone, they will be lonely, and then they will get sad. And if the tamales get sad, they won't taste as good. I've never tested this rule, but we just spent our entire day working to make these tamales, so I'm not willing to test the boundaries of personification just because you have to go to the bathroom. So if you got to leave, someone's got to tag you out. And yes, spending time with the tamales is part of helping out too.
Like I said, there are many parts of tamale making and everyone is needed. But I think in this rule, there's this underlying idea. No one should be lonely when making tamales. It's a community effort and we do it together. And now I'm gonna tell you another story about hosting a party. And it's about my friends, Mary and Martha. Luke 10 tells us their story. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. People often think that the story of Mary and Martha uh, hosting Jesus is a lot longer, but that's actually the whole thing. But I didn't pick the story because of its brevity, or because it was short. I picked this story because I must admit, I don't like it. And it isn't because Mary isn't helping Martha. Sure, it sounds like a nice story where Jesus is telling Martha that she can rest and enjoy her time with Jesus. She doesn't have to worry so much. And maybe that's true. But when I read this, it feels dismissive. And I relate to Martha a lot. So I become very protective of Martha. I don't find this to be a comforting story about rest. You're welcome to read it that way. It may be one day I will too. And then, and I'll even offer you some hopeful perspectives in a minute. But there's only two rules for tamale parties. Everyone helps and the tamales aren't lonely. And Jesus disregarded both of those rules. And in the process, he tells Martha she's just being a worried woman. Also to note, we don't hear about Martha's reaction, and we don't know Mary's reaction. We don't know if Martha actually listened to Jesus and chose to be like Mary and go sit at Jesus' feet, or if Martha just went back to hosting preparations, annoyed at Jesus like I probably would have. What we do know is that Martha needed help, or at least she asked for Mary's help. And Martha, therefore, at one point, I felt like she'd been left alone to do the work by herself. And that's the worst tamale party ever. So I brought this story and some of my grievances with it to myself recently. And I'm going to give you some more positive outlooks on Jesus' behavior towards Martha that myself offered. I didn't come up with most of these. Uh, they came out of community and not being left alone. And while we will be spending most of our time with Martha, it's really important to me that you know I'm actually not upset with Mary. This story gives me a negative reaction, surprisingly because of Jesus, not Mary. And so with that, I must warn you, by the end of our time together, I'm still going to be upset with Jesus. So one way this story can be read is that Jesus was overturning gender norms. Martha was really concerned with practical tasks, and as most women of her time, she probably would have been expected to host and to create the environment that was suitable for guests. Luke says Martha opened her home to Jesus. 
she was hosting. And maybe Jesus was offering to Martha that she didn't need to put on an exceptional show for him. She being there was enough. The dishes, chores, the cleaning, it could all wait. And she could rest. Jesus says to Martha, You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. And I do think that's beautiful. I do relate to Martha in that sometimes we need Jesus to remind us to rest and slow down and be with the people we're with. Sometimes the tasks can wait. And when we make tamales, you are also encouraged to sit and talk and take breaks. Everyone helps, but not everyone is always helping. Sometimes we're relating and we're together. And maybe Jesus didn't actually ask Martha to be okay with being left alone. In fact, Jesus does recognize that Martha had been left alone. And he was inviting her to be in the space with everyone else to be in community. Jesus was making sure that no one was lonely. And I must admit to you all that I do think if all we knew was that Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And Luke had ended it there. I might feel a little bit better about all this. But Luke adds that Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better. And I have a really hard time with that line specifically. I don't like that Jesus is comparing the deeds of women, two sisters actually. And again, I don't have an adverse reaction to the story because of Mary's choice to sit with Jesus. I think Mary's choice is beautiful and there's a lot we could say about her too. But Jesus' comparison of Mary has chosen what is better feels like it devalues what Martha was doing in her choice to host. But I'll give some grace and offer that Jesus could have been giving Martha the perspective that what Mary is doing, listening to Jesus with the others, is a hosting preparation. Relating to others is essential in hosting, and it is a form of helping. Someone has to spend time with the tamales. Jesus isn't necessarily ignoring Martha's pleas for help, but rather is possibly offering another way for her to view her role as a host. Jesus was allowing Martha to still be who she was in a new way. That could be true. It's a view that is worth considering, but I'll be honest, not totally convinced of this view because Martha does ask Jesus why he doesn't care that Mary wasn't helping. And Jesus does tell Martha what Mary is doing is better. Martha had directly asked for her sister's help. To me, it feels like Jesus ignores Martha's plea and he doesn't really do anything to lessen the very tangible needs that Martha has in front of her. Need I remind you, Jesus was also a man and may not have truly realized the amount of work Martha would have needed to do as a woman to host in that space. And that him offering to her to host differently and to rest may not have actually been as helpful as it sounds. If any of you try to tell me that soaking corn husks for two hours doesn't really seem that necessary, but you've never made tamales before, I'm going to be annoyed with your hubris, even if it comes from a kind place. It's possible that Jesus and his humanity 
didn't understand fully yet what exactly Martha was doing. Women were expected to do certain work, and in Jesus' humble attempt to overturn gender norms, maybe he missed an opportunity to address a practical need too. Because Jesus probably was overturning gender norms with offering to Martha to be like Mary and sit at his feet. And I might be being a bit harsh by holding Jesus to today's standards of what overturning gender norms means. But what if instead he offered to help Martha practically too? How much more revolutionary would it have been for Jesus to say instead? You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. For now, come sit with us, and I will help you later. Off you again, another more positive view, and this time I'll try not to hold Jesus to exact wording that he may or may not have said directly, depending on your translation. And I'm going to keep in mind that my views of what overturning gender norms mean may have been a little bit different than during Jesus' time. Maybe Jesus' offering to Martha, not that tending to practical needs are bad, or that Mary herself is literally better, but rather that being together is best. Maybe there is a second part of the story missing that just isn't written down, where after Jesus teaches, they all tend to the hosting together. Tomatoes only taste so good because it's a communal act. It's loving, and we get to relate to one another. Jesus offers Martha the opportunity to relate in a way that she may not have been getting by trying to do all the things she thought she needed to. We only have what Luke offers us, and he ends it before we even know Martha's reaction. But it isn't impossible to think that all parts of their time together were communal, involving all people including the hosting. And maybe all these things are true. Maybe there's also a kindness in Jesus' tone, or maybe there's a reasonable explanation as to why Jesus speaks this way to Martha. Jesus may have been overturning gender norms, and he may have been inviting Martha into community, and he may have been allowing Martha to still be a host. And also, I like giving myself permission to be upset with Jesus and not try to justify his actions. I think it's maybe okay for me to think that Jesus made choices that I don't really understand. Or that maybe Jesus was a man who didn't fully realize exactly why Martha needed Mary's help. Jesus can offer Martha rest and community and not have really addressed her cry for help. I like giving myself the permission to see Jesus' humanity in all of this. It honestly helps me relate to him better. It's okay that I feel very protective of Martha. From what we can tell in the story, not everyone helped make tamales and someone was left alone. We don't know if Martha joined everyone else, or if she went back to hosting alone, or if someone else in the story joined her. And I'm not asking for anyone here to join me in my discomfort in this story. You're welcome to like it despite my grievances, because it does have a lot of really awesome and amazing things to offer us. And I'm also not asking for anyone to offer me an explanation that redeems it in favor of Jesus' comments towards Martha either. Because I believe that Jesus doesn't require me to feel good about this story by the time it's over. 
You can view this story as a, as a reminder to rest, as a reminder to be in community, or even as a story about Jesus not addressing Martha's immediate needs. It can be a lot of things and bring up a lot of feelings for many reasons. But regardless of your view, I'm inviting you into the story of Mary and Martha and to consider their view as women who hosted a party. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.com.